thinking of a summer getaway? It's time to visit friends, family and the places you love with Stanoline. It's time to jump in the car and pack what you want without worrying about baggage charges. And it's time we welcome you on board where everything is just right. Or as we say in Sweden, la gom. Let us take care of the big little things that make every sailing spacious, stylish and safe. Get away to Britain or Europe from only €139 one way for a car and driver. Book today at stanaline.ie. Do you believe in supernatural beings? That there is a higher being or guardian angel protecting you from harm? Have you ever seen any proof this could be true? What if your entire life and reputation was based on it being true? Would you bring hope or fear into the lives of others? What could you achieve if you believed it to be true? It's the life of a Carlo man which answers these questions for us. This is his story. In County Carlo, in 1840, a child was born. His name was Miles Kyo. Miles was born into a farming family, their main crop being barley. Ordinarily, farming barley would be relatively unremarkable. That is, until you consider that just a few years after Miles began his earthly journey, the Great Famine was to grip the throat of our island. As a result of their somewhat unique crop, Miles' family avoided much of the horrors of the famine. Hunger and poverty existed on the other side of their front door. On the ditches and roads elsewhere on the island, piles of bodies grew higher. The common error of the dying being Irish. Whilst Miles's family avoided the then common practices of hunger and poverty, the diseases that bedded into Ireland as a result of the famine were ailments which did not discriminate between the luck of those living here. Three of Miles's siblings were taken before their time due to a typhoid outbreak. Miles himself suffered from this but managed to recover where others didn't. As Ireland tried to piece itself back together post-famine, a war of Italian unification broke out. At 20 years old and seeking a career of his own, Miles heard the calls come from the altar seeking young Irishmen to go and defend the church in Italy. Miles and over 1,400 other young men of Ireland boarded ships and headed for war. Miles showed his superiors that he was a natural-born leader and a tremendous soldier. Just a few short weeks after arriving in Italy, Miles was appointed a second lieutenant in the Irish Battalion of St. Patrick. Miles and 456 other Irishmen under his watch were stationed in Ancona. In this area, they were joined by Austrian, French and Swiss troops, a combined army of 5,700. 
Miles fought bravely for the cause he believed in and was noted as being one of the bravest soldiers many of the officers had seen in war. After weeks of fighting, Miles and his men found themselves surrounded. After a two-week siege, Miles could not stand by as the Irish men under his care edged closer to death. The garrison surrendered and Miles was made a prisoner of war and held in Genoa. When the war came to an end, a swap of hostages was arranged and Miles was released. Such was the impression he had made in the early days of the war. He and 46 other brave Irishmen were requested to remain as part of the Papal Guard. Miles accepted. His experiences in war had given him a great sense of importance and he understood he had attributes many others didn't have, which would make him a very valuable soldier. As part of the Papal Guard, he received a Papal Medal. As a result of his efforts in the war, he was honoured with the Order of St. Gregory the Great Award. In his first few days as part of the Papal Guard, Miles wrote home to share of his experiences and to see what had been happening at home whilst he was away. He was devastated to learn that during his time as a prisoner, his mother had passed away. Life in the Papal Guard was not as adventurous as Miles had thought it might have been. Most of his day was spent standing behind those in religious garments, telling each other of their greatness. He quickly lost his desire to be an overdressed bodyguard for those blessed with eternal safety. As he stood in the large rooms of the Vatican, allowing day after day to pass, he overheard a conversation about a civil war which had broken out in America. A war between those trying to value life and those wishing to place a value on it. When William H. Seward began seeking experienced soldiers from Europe to help with the war effort in America, Miles was one of the first to step forward. When his Irish colleagues saw him nominate himself, they too followed. Amongst them, Waterford man Daniel J. Kelly. They met with the Irish-born Archbishop of New York, John Hughes, in Italy, who arranged for their travel to America, where they met with Cork man Joseph O'Keefe, who led them to the war. Miles was given a captain's rank and assigned to the staff of Tyrone-born Brigadier General James Shields. Their first confrontation in battle was to take on the Derryman Confederate leader Thomas Stonewall Jackson. Although Jackson may have referred to his home as Londonderry given his allegiances to the Crown of Britain. the two armies met in a ferocious battle. Jackson's Confederate army were ambushed by the Irishmen's army who stormed through their camp. Over the next few hours, if you and I had been sitting in the distance, we would have seen flames flicker into the sky from the burning tents which lit up the battlefield. 
our ears would have been assaulted by the screams of men as one by one slow and painful deaths visited a large majority of them. Jackson chose to fight at the back of his army, insisting that it was best he observed the battle. Miles, on the other hand, stood side by side with those who he led to their potential deaths. He marched through the camp without a stutter and came face to face with Jackson. The Pope's man and the Famine Queen Victoria's man fought it out on the battlefield. By the time Miles had reached him, he was covered in the blood of his enemies and nearly blind from tiredness, having fought his way through an army. He could not overpower the fresh Jackson, who managed to push him away and ran into the hills for safety. After the chaos of the battle had died down, letters were written discussing what had happened. Most of the accounts of the day note that Miles was one of the most courageous men any of the soldiers had seen in battle, and he had only just joined them. His name spread through the ranks and he quickly became a god-like creature. Rumours spread that as he was part of the Papal Guard he could not be killed. The commander of the Potomac Army, the great-great-grandson of a Jacobite soldier, George B. McClellan, was incredibly impressed by Miles. He described Miles as a most gentlemanly-like man, of soldierly appearance, whose record had been remarkable for the short time he had been in the army. McClellan requested that Miles be transferred to his personal staff. It was while he was part of McClellan's staff that Miles took part in the Battle of Antietam. This was the first field army level engagement in the Eastern Theatre of the American Civil War to take place on Union soil. That however is not why it is so significant in history. Today it is remembered as the bloodiest day in American history. In just a few short hours 22,717 men were killed or wounded. Miles was not amongst them. Once again he was seen on the front lines for this day of days. Never in hiding, even for a moment's breath. He was seen leading charges, slaying his enemies and dragging the wounded to safety. Common memory for those there that day was of the Carlo man running ahead of his men, never letting them go anywhere he would not go. After the day ended and the Union side claimed victory, Miles and Cork man Joseph O'Keefe were paid a special visit by Abraham Lincoln, who had heard of their bravery and their importance in the war effort. They were chosen to protect him during his visits through the army. This post was only temporary though, as when Lincoln went to safety far from the realities of war, Miles returned to the war front. The war continued on in a similar vein for Miles. He continued receiving awards and honours for his efforts. 
he was involved in what would be remembered as the greatest cavalry battle of the war at Brandy Fort. For his brave efforts in this battle, he was promoted to Major. Whilst dragging the wounded to safety in Georgia, Miles was captured and taken as a prisoner of war. He was exchanged two months later. A year later, the war ended and the Union had won. Miles had survived over 80 battles without a single injury. The rumours that he was protected by God only grew given his history with the Papal Guard. He remained in the army after the war, not knowing much else about life, whilst still only 26 years old. He was promoted to the 4th Senior Captain of George Armstrong Custer's Regiment. When the war ended, Miles wrote home to share his stories and in turn hear of what his family were now doing with their lives. Learning of marriages, nieces and nephews, Miles took some leave and returned home for a period. The return home played heavy on Miles's heart. He had not realised how much he missed it. Those feelings and the things he had seen in war began to create havoc for Miles's mental well-being. He turned to the drink for his relief from life. He longed for the comfort of a woman, but understood the life he lived was not one which should be willingly shared with another. He wrote himself of his inner turmoil. My great weakness is the love I have for the fair sex, and pretty much all my troubles come from or can be traced to that charming source. I never proposed to form any ties. I might often have married for money, but I never gave it a moment's serious thought and never proposed to. It was not till later that it was revealed that Miles carried a photograph of a woman called Josephine Buell into battle with him, although no more is known of their relationship. While in Rhode Island at a friend's wedding in 1868, Miles slipped on ice and broke his ankle. He did such damage to it that he spent two months in hospital recovering. While he lay in his hospital bed, a Native American uprising began. His friend Custer entered into a campaign of war with those who were trying to reclaim land which had been stolen from them. After he recovered from his injury, Miles joined Custer on the front lines of battle once again. This war was not one he was used to. The ferocious battling skills of the Native American placed a tremendous fear into the entire army. Not having a fear of dying for what they believed in made them invincible. This was something Miles recognised in himself and he respected them for their bravery. He wrote home to Ireland to explain what he saw on these new battlefields. I have never before appreciated the difficulty of finding Indians and have concluded that without knowing exactly where to surprise their camp or having a guide who can track them at a run, it is a waste of horse flesh and time to endeavour to come up with them. 
1874, Miles returned to Ireland for a break from the war. He inherited a home from his sister and began to make plans to settle down in Ireland once his service ended in America. He shared with his family his longing for home and how he thought of it every day. After his break, he rejoined Custer at Fort Abraham Lincoln. With his recognition of the immense bravery of the Native Americans, Miles returned to battle for the first time not confident he would leave alive. He took out a $10,000 life insurance policy and wrote a will and gave instructions of his burial wishes. He then set off to war once again. On June 25, 1876, two years after fearing he would be killed at any moment and fighting bravely against the force he respected, Miles found himself in the Battle of Little Bighorn. In the years of fighting, whilst he was gaining a respect for the Native American warrior, they too recognised him as a fierce warrior. There was a mutual respect for their bravery and will. The Battle of Little Bighorn is today also remembered as Custer's last stand. Under a sky darkened by smoke, dust and flying arrows, Custer's entire army were killed by a tremendous force of Native Americans. In less than an hour, the natives had massacred Custer's men, many of whom committed suicide as they were being overwhelmed. Such was their immense fear of the enemy. One man stood alone towards the end of the battle. When most had perished, Miles continued to fight bravely. For about 10 minutes, Miles could be seen on his own, still swinging his sword. As he fought on, blood gushed from his leg. In the chaos of the battle, a bullet, possibly from one of his own men, had pierced through his horse Comanche's chest, shattering Miles' knee as it came out the other side. Miles continued fighting until the loss of blood caused his collapse. As he lay on the ground, the natives allowed him to die in peace. Recognising him for the great warrior he was, he was the only body on the battlefield they did not take a scalp from, or any other reward of flesh. When Sitting Bull, the Sioux leader of the Native Americans during the battle, died many years later, he was found wearing the papal medal that Miles had been gifted from the Pope during his time in the Papal Guard. It is said he too believed that a supernatural force protected Miles, and he wore his medal in remembrance of the godlike creature he once saw in battle. Anecdotally, after the battle, Miles's beloved horse Comanche was found badly wounded on the battlefield, barely alive among the rubble of the dead. He is honoured as having been the Union Army's lone survivor of the battle. After being nursed back to health, he became a mascot for the US Army, and it was ordered that he be given special privileges for the rest of his life. 
he was not to be ridden by anyone under any circumstances, nor put to work of any kind. Today's music was written, produced and performed by myself, Ryan O'Halloran. The story was researched and scripted by Oren. If you want to help to support this podcast, you can buy us a coffee at www.buymeacoffee.com forward slash we the Irish or leave us a review on your podcast app. Ryan Isanam Dunn, Gurav Mahagut, Slananish. It's the big one. The Sky Half Price Sale is here. Choose from award-winning Sky TV and everything on Netflix. Or unmissable sports with every single live Premier League game on Sky Sports, BT Sport and Premier Sports all half price. Take Sky Cinema and watch the biggest blockbusters. Or grab Sky Broadband Ultrafast for lightning fast speed. Choose one that suits you. They're all half price for six months. Save big in the Sky Half Price Sale. Search Sky Half Price. Availability subject to location, TV and broadband products sold separately. For more info, see sky.ie forward slash speed. Setup fees, min terms and further terms apply. Offer ends 2nd of September.